First Timothy, our last, our last message in First Timothy tonight. Next week we start a new series in Second Timothy. And let me just say, by way of commercial, here's what Second Timothy, starting next week, is going to be about: perseverance and endurance. A good message for all of us in the world in which we live. God wants us to endure and persevere. And that's what the entire message of 2 Timothy is about. Paul tells Timothy, you must continue in the things that you have learned and been convinced of. 2 Timothy 3.14. You must continue in those things. So that's what we're going to start next week. So I hope Even though it's towards the end of the year and our attendance usually wanes, I'm hoping that maybe we can pick up a few people because starting in the new year, when we get usually a new influx of people at Bible study on Wednesday night, we're all already have going to been into the series of Second Timothy. So that a couple other things. One, I am going to wait until Sunday to make uh, a comment about the election. so that there are more people in the room. And uh, secondly, I do want to whet your appetites as well that on Sunday, this Sunday, uh, I shared with you last Sunday about uh, a gift that we got from Arkansas uh, last Sunday. Well, this Sunday, I just got word from our lender today that we got some really, really good news that I'm going to be able to share with everybody on Sunday. And let's just say it's a praise God news. So we'll just say it that way. So uh, we'll share that with you on Sunday. So tonight, we end 1 Timothy with verses 17 through 21. And not a lot of verses, but there is a lot packed in to these verses. And here's one of the reasons why I'm excited to share these verses with you as well as what we're going to be talking about on Sunday from Ephesians. I believe that there's probably a lot of Christians that, that don't know some of the cool stuff contained in the verses we're going to look at. They've never really thought about these things the way Paul lays it out here today. Now, I will say this. If there's an overarching theme of these verses tonight that Paul is leaving with Timothy and wants to leave with us before he ends this letter, it would sort of go back to the saying that you and I probably have heard at times, we either love people and use things, or we love things and use people. And so Paul is basically saying that God calls us, his followers, to love people and to use things. Notice what he says, beginning in verse 17. I'm just going to read these verses since there's not that many. Command those who are rich in this world's goods not to be haughty or to set their hope on riches which are uncertain, but on God who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others, and in this way... They will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future and so lay hold of what is truly life. O Timothy, 
protect what has been entrusted to you. Avoid the profane chatter and absurdities of so-called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Now, the first thing I want to point out in verse 17 is that we live in a world, even in Christian culture, if you will, where people have a really hard time living under authority. Even, in a sense, accepting the authority of God in their lives or the authority of His Word, or at least the authority that His Word should carry. And so I don't want to pass over the fact that Paul, notice, he says to this young pastor 2,000 years ago in Ephesus, Timothy, you have the responsibility as that pastor to command people to do certain things. Now, again, not in his authority, because as a pastor, I don't have any authority on my own, but the authority comes from who said it. It's not our words, it's God's word. And yet, you would have many today say, you don't have any right to command me to do anything, you know. In fact, I don't, I'm not going to even buy that God can command me to do anything. I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. And again, there's, there's no acceptance of seeing God as the authority of our lives that has any right to command us to do anything. Or that we look at His Word that way. That it has the authority in our lives. That it is the standard of our faith and practice. It's why we do what we do. But that's what Paul told Timothy. That is the way we should view the Word of God and the person of God in our lives. That He, as the Lord, has authority to command, to expect certain things, if you will. In fact, He uses the same word, only it's translated differently in verse 18 when He says, Tell them to do good. These things are coming from God. They're not coming from Paul. They're not coming from Timothy. They're not coming from Jeff. These things are coming from God. We must remember that the Bible speaks with authority because it is the Word of God. And it carries authority when God speaks. So what does God command us? First, that those who are rich in this world's goods. And personally, I believe that that would include most of us in America, especially, compared to the rest of the world. Those who have an abundance of material possessions is what the word rich means. And notice also that, again, he uses the phrase rich in this world's goods. Because Paul is reminding us that there is this world, but there's going to be a world to come. And as Jesus said, I better be more investing in the world to come because it lasts a lot longer than this world does. And so there's always that contrast in the Bible between this world and the world to come. And you and I are going to be more effective in living in this world if we're living from the perspective of the world to come. So he says, Command those who are rich in this world's goods. Now, he's not against us having material things. You see. In fact, he's not against us having money. Earlier on, he says, but be careful that you don't fall in love with money more than you do God. 
Be careful that you don't put the pursuit of material possessions above your pursuit of God. And then he says here, and if you do have an abundance of material possessions, don't let those lift you up in pride. Don't become haughty just because you have more things of earth than other people do. In fact, in the original language, it means don't reek from unwarranted pride or carry yourself with a sense of superiority over others simply because you have more material things than they do. Paul says, that's not where that should take you. If you and I have an abundance of material possessions, recognize where they ultimately come from. And recognize, as we're going to see here, that God does not bless us with these things to keep them to ourselves or to hoard them for ourselves, but to use them as resources to bless others. So let's be careful. Let's be careful that if God has put us on a path where we are accumulating a lot of material, physical things of earth, that again, are not wrong in and of themselves, that we always keep them in proper perspective. That we are always giving God thanks for each and every one of them, knowing that it comes from His hand, and that we never allow the things around us, the things of earth, to somehow lift us up with this unwarranted pride or this sense of superiority over others simply because we have more material things than other people do. And then he goes on to say this, And don't allow the abundance of material possessions or external possessions to cause you to set your hope or to put your trust in those things, in those riches, if you will, you see. That's not where our hope, our confidence, our trust should be. And yet we know that we live in a world where a lot of people's confidence, a lot of people's security, a lot of people's stability is all about what's in their bank account, what's in their retirement account, how much stuff they've got around them. And God says, that's not where your security or stability could be because as he goes on to say here in just a moment, those things are uncertain. Those things can be in your life one day and be out of your life the next You see. So why are we placing our hope in things that are so uncertain? The only thing that is certain is God. And that's why God says, put your hope in me. I'm unchanging. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. You put your hope and confidence and trust in me and you will find your stability and security in me. I'm the rock. That's why in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms many times, the psalmist uses the metaphor of a rock. That's why Jesus even said, you build your life on me and my sayings, it will be like building your house on a rock. The storms may come, but your house will stand. Because our stability and security is never in the things that we possess. It's in the one that possesses us, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to go back to this word uncertain, which is a very important word here. It not only means indefinite or disappearing. 
It also means this, that it is unutterly unrecognized in heaven and has no value in heaven. Let me repeat that. The word uncertain means that all of these earthly riches, these material possessions, are utterly before God, unrecognized and have no value. In other words, God's not impressed with all of our stuff. And we learned a couple weeks ago that in verse uh, 7 of chapter 6, that we brought nothing into this world and so we cannot take a single thing out either. We don't take all of our stuff with us when we go. And even if we could, if we pile all the stuff that we have here on earth before God, God's not impressed with that. It has no value in heaven at all. Not that, I want you to remember that because this principle and, and, and this truth ties into what we're going to talk about at the very end. So much of what even Christians spend so much effort and energy accumulating on this earth, God is reminding us, those things have no value before me. I'm not impressed by all your stuff, you see. And that's why you're not even going to bring it up here anyway. That's why Jesus says, isn't it better to invest in eternity and lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven that you'll be able to enjoy and experience for all of eternity instead of putting all of your energy and effort in accumulating material things that when you die, you just leave them to somebody else who didn't work so hard for them. And they only last for however long you and I last. And God isn't impressed by all of our stuff anyway. Now, keep your finger there in 1 Timothy 6. And go back with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. The uncertainty of earthly possessions. Luke, chapter 12. Jesus speaks about this. Beginning in verse 13 of Luke, chapter 12. Then someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell me, my brother, to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter between you two? I love that. Can I stop? Has nothing to do with the message tonight, but I love the response of Jesus. Could Jesus have given them an answer? In fact, who better to have figured out all that than Jesus? And yet Jesus said, That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to try to, to do that because you both shouldn't be focused on that in any way, you see. Sometimes as human beings, mere human beings who don't even have a molecule of the wisdom of Jesus, we insert ourselves into situations and think, I want to give my opinion about something. And we don't even know a fraction of what Jesus knew. And Jesus like, I don't need to get caught up in that. Oh, that we would follow the example of Jesus and not get caught up in all these things that we're going to even talk about later. So then Jesus takes this opportunity, though, to teach them something. Those that were following him at the time. Verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out and guard yourself from all types of greed. Greed is simply, I never get enough. 
I never have enough. No matter how much I accumulate, it's never enough. I'm never satisfied. I'm never, so it's always got to be more, more, more. Because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He then told them a parable. The land of a certain rich man produced an abundant crop. So he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say, and you notice how many times, I, I, I. I will say to myself, you have plenty of goods stored up for many years. He's assuming a lot, isn't he? Relax, eat, drink, celebrate. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded back from you. But who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Again, Jesus is saying, you realize that all that stuff is just going to go to somebody else who didn't work for it. So it is with the one who stores up riches for himself and is not rich toward God. There again, Jesus is saying, living on this earth in light of eternity. Don't get caught up with these material things that are so uncertain, including our life being uncertain. Just like the fool. I could be here one day and not here the next. Is that really what I want to invest my life in? Is that really what I want to pour my energy and effort in? The accumulation of more stuff that has no value before God at all? That is totally unrecognized in God's presence? Or do I want to invest my life in that which will matter for all of eternity? And we're going to see tonight what that really is. So back to 1 Timothy for a moment. So he says this. Instead of allowing material possessions to lift us up in pride, and instead of using these material things to build our confidence and hope rather than God, he says when we put our hope in God, we will find out in verse 17 that God will richly Provide us with all things for our enjoyment. Not all the things that we want, but God's a good God. And God does want to bless His children. And the Bible says God will withhold no good thing from those who follow Him. You see. But God won't give us everything we want, but He certainly will give us everything we need and then some. Because we can't outgive God. And so He says, look, God will supply and furnish you abundantly. Not only that, but when you and I put the Lord first in our life, where we make Him the priority of our life, here's what Paul says. God will even give us the ability to enjoy the stuff that He blesses us with. And think about that. Because there are many people today that have an abundance of material things, but they don't even enjoy it. They don't even get any enjoyment out of the stuff they have. Why? Because God says, in being able to enjoy life and the things of life actually come from me. And unless you're willing to put me first and put those things in perspective, you won't even really enjoy the things that you have. And let me show you this from the Bible. Keep your finger there in 1 Timothy and go back to the book of Ecclesiastes. 
to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man who ever lived, according to the Bible, Solomon says this three times, but we're only going to look at one tonight for the sake of time. But in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon gives this principle three times. And I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and look at verse 24. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 24. There is nothing better for people than to eat and drink. Well, we do that pretty good, don't we? We follow that here at the Oasis. And to find enjoyment even in their work and the fruit of their labor. But notice this. This is big. I also perceive that this ability to find enjoyment comes from who? God. Don't miss that. The ability to find enjoyment comes from God. That's why there are so many people in this world who have a lot of stuff but they don't even enjoy the stuff that they have because they're working so hard, so feverishly, just to keep up and keep getting more and more and more that they can't even enjoy the stuff that they have. I think I shared with you years ago, my father... Oh, let me, let me go on here for just... Notice this, verse 25. Of For no one can eat and drink or experience joy apart from Him. Wow. That's why God wants us to get our priorities right. He said, look, I'm not against you having things. I want you to have things. I will bless you with things, but put me first. And then not only will you have things, but you'll truly be able to enjoy them because they'll have a proper place in your life. They won't have you. You see, you'll put me for, you will love me and put those things in their proper perspective and the pursuit of those things. I think I've shared this story with you before and you can go back to 1 Timothy 6 because we'll head right back there after this. But my father years ago, and of course my father now has been dead for 25 years, so it's probably been 30 years maybe ago. My father had a detached retina and went to the Wilmer Eye Clinic near Washington, D.C. It's probably the leading eye surgery place in the whole nation. People actually fly in from all over the world to go to the Wilmer Eye Clinic near Washington. And, of course, we grew up, I grew up near the D.C. Baltimore area. And he had, working on his detached retina, the, at that time, the leading surgeon in the world, considered in the world, at the Wilmer Eye Clinic to reattach his retina. This brilliant surgeon was at the time about late 40s. He was, he was a millionaire. I mean, the, the man, he could have anything he wanted. I mean, the money that he made, being who he was, in the place that he was, having the expertise and all of that, and the skill that he did. But he worked himself to death. He had all this stuff. But he never enjoyed it. In fact, six months after he operated on my father, he dropped dead of a heart attack and died. What kind of life was that? He never, he never got to enjoy this. Stuff. He never even enjoyed the family that he had. Because he was always so busy at work. 
God wants us to reflect on his truth. So back to 1 Timothy. He says, verse 18, tell them to do good, to do things that are profitable and beneficial to others, and to be rich in good deeds. I love that phrase in the original. It means be rich in the things that inspire and motivate others to do good. That's what those words mean. And we've talked about that on Sunday, how God wants our life to be a positive influence and impact on others. And then I love this, he says, and be generous givers. Live with an open hand. Live ready and willing to impart. And can I say, I have never been around a group of people like you all at the Oasis. You all are some of the most generous, giving people that I have ever been around. Man, when a need is known, you guys are there. And God smiles on that. He, he appreciates your generosity. And He wants us to be that way because if God blesses us, just like there, we're just a channel, we're just a conduit. He doesn't want us to keep it all for ourselves. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. To be generous in what God has blessed us with. And then, here's where we get to the part that I think many Christians don't realize. And these verses tie right into the message we're going to talk about Sunday. Sharing with others. Now this does not mean what we just talked about. Well, if I've got all this, I'm going to share it. This word speaks about partnering with others. Partnerships. Coming together to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? That's part of it too. Why? Because notice what he's been telling us and building on. He says, don't invest in things because things we can't take with us. Invest in relationships. Because what he's just about ready to teach us is going to blow some people away. And that is that what is it that we can invest in here that we can carry over into eternity? Well, obviously we know it's nothing materially. Because he says, we brought nothing into this world, we can carry nothing out. So we know that when God talks about laying up treasure in heaven and putting things up there for, for future use, it's not material things, then what is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's us. Don't miss what he says now. In the context of partnering with others. In this way, which then links us back to what he just said, in partnerships with others, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future. Let's stop there. Oh my goodness. Do you see what Paul is teaching here? He says, guess what? These earthly partnerships become a treasure that we lay up in eternity. Our relationships with each other, that's the treasure. Not the things. Again, he's already said, the things, the material things, they are utterly unrecognized in heaven. They have no value in heaven. What then has value to God? Relationships. That's what God wants us to invest in. 
He wants us to come together and to partner with each other because here's what he says. When you and I work together here on earth, that partnership, that working together, that coming together as Christians here can carry over throughout eternity. So that the things that God calls us to do in eternity, that the responsibilities and roles God gives us in His earthly kingdom for a thousand years in the millennium and then on into eternity is based on the treasure of our relationships here and the investment that we make in each other here. Those are the things that we carry over. The relationships in this life, notice verse 19, become a firm foundation for the future. I love that. He's saying, do you realize, and I'm just going to be real practical here tonight. I'm going to be as practical as I can be. Paul is saying, do you realize, Jeff, that the partnerships and relationships you have with people in this room will not only last now, but these partnerships that you have with people now, when we all go into eternity or into the kingdom, you will keep on partnering with each other. That's the foundation that you're laying because I have things for you all to do in my kingdom. I want you to rule and reign with me. And so the, the treasure of these relationships that you have with each other, these are the firm foundation that you're going to have to carry over because all the stuff doesn't go, but the relationships do. So can I tell you very practically? I want to partner with all of you in the kingdom. I don't want the things that we're doing here at the Oasis in Chandler, Arizona to be it. I want it just to be the beginning. I want this verse to come true in my life to where when I get the glory and you get the glory, that God says, okay, you did those so well here. Let's keep on going with that. You guys keep on working together for me and with me in my kingdom. And that's why it's important for us, instead of investing in stuff that's so uncertain and that we can't take with us to heaven, that we invest in the relationships we have with each other because that's the treasure that we get to carry with us to heaven. In fact, I love the words here in verse 19 that Paul uses, save up a treasure. It literally, because we're, you know, we're coming into the holidays and you hear a lot about layaway. That's literally what the words mean in the original. He says, you realize the relationships you have with each other is like putting each other on layaway. So whichever one of us gets there first, you put me or I put you on layaway and once we all get there, then join back up and Let's keep on serving the Lord together. You see. Now, I'm not saying that this verse is teaching that God's not going to allow us to partner with people that, you know, we've never known or whatever. I, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is it does even bring greater value to the relationships God allows us to begin to forge on earth. Because many even Christians are like, well, when I get to heaven, am, am I going to know the people closest to me? And, and, and or, am I ever going to see them? Yeah, absolutely. 
In fact, if you do it well, God's going to let those partnerships and, and those, those relationships that work well together, He's going to allow those to keep on going. So I got to tell you, I'm counting on this. Because I got a lot of you in mind that I'm going to look you up. Because I'm going to be expecting to continue to partner with you in glory. Just like we partner down here. Think about those verses. Contemplate. Reflect on those things. And then he says, this is laying hold, verse 19, of what is truly life. This is grabbing a hold of the things that will endure and not slip through our fingers, is what it says in the Greek language. All this stuff that we work so hard for, those things will one day slip through our fingers. But the relationships, the bond that you and I have with each other, that will never slip through our fingers. That carries over into eternity. And I love that. And can I tell you, that's another reason why at the Oasis, we are always going to be a church that not only focuses on the worship of our God and the word of our God, but focuses on relationships. Because in this world, especially in too many local churches, it's not about relationships anymore. And that's a shame. Because God values relationships above everything. Our relationship with Him and our relationship with one another. Because those are the only things that we can carry into eternity. Everything else we've got to leave behind. And even here in the short six and a half years of our existence, we're already sending ahead some of our church family members who are up there waiting on us now. Waiting for us to get there to join them. And then finally, notice the context of this. Verse 20. So, O Timothy, because there might be a gap there like there is in the Net Bible. There's no, there was no gap with Paul. It just continued on in his thought. O Timothy, protect what has been entrusted to you. Well, in the context, what has been entrusted to this young pastor? The relationships. He says, protect those. Value those. Treasure the treasure of the relationships that you have with your people. And teach them to treasure each other. Because that's the real treasure. Again, a couple weeks ago, I shared that maybe you've never looked at yourself as a superhero. But you should as a Christian because God has endowed us with supernatural powers through His Holy Spirit. Well, I want you, if you haven't ever up to this point in your life, that you also view yourself as a treasure. And that you view your brothers and sisters in Christ as a treasure. Because when Paul says in verse 19, save up a treasure, he's talking about relationships there. We clearly know that. He's not talking about stuff. And when Jesus says, lay up treasure in heaven, again, he's not talking about stuff because we can't take anything with us materially. 
So what do we send ahead? What do we lay up over there that's going to continue in eternity? Relationships, partnerships. And in the context, he's telling Timothy, protect those. And that's why he goes on to say, so avoid the distractions that will divide these relationships by avoiding the profane chatter and absurdities of so-called knowledge. Don't get caught up in knowledge above everything. Because isn't it true, even amongst some Christians, that they can... They can immerse themselves in Bible study and the accumulation of knowledge. And just like material goods, all that does is lift them up in pride to where they become, in their own minds, the smartest person in the room. And they've got to impart their knowledge upon all their brothers and sisters because they're the only ones that know the right way because of their great knowledge. And their knowledge does not bring people together. Their knowledge does not build other people up. Their knowledge does not build relationships. Their knowledge tears people down and divides and destroys relationships. And here's what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And unless the knowledge that you and I are gaining from the Word of God is not leading us to love people more and love God more, then it's not the kind of knowledge that God wants to impart into our life. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 1 Corinthians 8.1 And then he ends with this. By being distracted and getting caught up in so-called knowledge, Paul says in verse 21, some, Timothy, have strayed from the faith. They've missed the mark as far as God's concerned. Because they've allowed the obsession with being right and imparting their knowledge and asserting themselves as the smartest person in the room to not build relationships, but to bust up relationships. And then he ends, as he does many of his letters, with these words. Grace be with you all. That's all we need. That is, in a sense, the superpower above all superpowers that sort of covers it all. It is God's supernatural enablement. That's what grace is. And the Bible says God's grace is sufficient for whatever we will face. 2 Corinthians 12. So Paul always leaves his readers with that thought. God's grace be with you. If you and I have God's supernatural enablement, then His enablement, His grace, will allow us And give us the capability and ability to do the things that He's commanding us to do. We can never do it apart from His grace. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it in our own strength. But we can always do it living by His grace. Being dependent upon Him. A few verses. But a lot of stuff packed into those verses tonight. Come back next week and we'll start a new series in 2 Timothy. Let's close. Father God, thank you for these great truths through the pen of the Apostle Paul. God, I pray tonight that as we meditate and reflect upon these words of Scripture, 
that God, they will carry authority and weight in our life. That they come from you to us. God, help us not to live our lives so much for the things that are utterly unrecognized in heaven and have no value, carry no value in heaven at all in your presence. Help us to live for what really matters. And that's our relationship with you and our relationships with each other. God, what an encouragement tonight that even the partnerships and relationships that have begun here on earth at the Oasis Church and even broader than that, Lord, could continue throughout eternity. That we would not only have the privilege and honor of working together here on earth for you, but we would have the privilege and honor of working together throughout your kingdom as well. God, what a, what a promise to look forward to. These relationships, they don't end when we die. They will continue one day for all of eternity. This is the hope we have when we truly set our hope on you. God, help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.